Hello, and welcome to a show of their own, Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan. And I'm Laura. And we kind of thought this week, one, because there's like nothing happening with our sports. I mean, there's stuff, but it's all like two minutes of conversation. Yeah. And given the holiday and given that we've been kind of ranty lately, (laughs) that we would do some fun something fun and something positive and so we are going to Morgan and I each have a list of things that we are thankful for in our in our respective sport and so do you want me to go first or would you like to go first uh you go first because you could think of more things I have way more (laughs) things I definitely broke the rules that I made of like five things but there's so many I think the most important one and like the first thing to mention is how thankful I am for first and foremost Akima Lou, who kind of opened this whole conversation that we started having this year. But then Matt Gamba for his really amazing speech in the playoffs, the Hockey Diversity Alliance, groups like the uh, Black Women's Hockey and all of that kind of stuff, Black Girls Hockey Club, that's what it's called, um, and all of uh, the different organization uh advocating for black people in hockey even at a time when there's still racist people in hockey um, I think it's really great to see that black voices are getting ever more powerful and especially this week uh, a black person was hired to be the assistant GM of Florida which I believe is the first assistant GM like at that high of a level ever in the NHL to be black so that's really awesome and more than that Apparently, the general manager of Florida, like this guy has been his right hand man through his entire career. So I thought that was really cool, too. So and a really cool like sign of I wouldn't even say like allyship because he's just really learned like he's really good. And so I thought that was really cool. And so diversity in hockey and specifically the people who really did a lot to forward the conversation. Do you want to do two since you have like twice as many? Yeah, that's good. We can alternate that way. Yeah. And then the second one um, I wanted to talk about, I think a lot of people, I had to remind myself that this happened. Um, I'm thankful for the Anaheim Ducks and St. Louis Blues medical staff because Jay Bomeister had a serious cardiac event this season. Oh, right. Like a few weeks before the season was put on hold. It was in Anaheim and both medical staffs coordinated together, which I mean, obviously they're medical professionals, but when you're at a hockey game, you're never anticipating having a cardiac arrest. And so the speed with which they were able to handle everything and save his life was so amazing. And so definitely thankful for that. I feel like you put, you like pick such like perfect and like super actual important things and like I'm looking at my list I'm like wow these are really dumb things to well, be thankful for I mean I, then I have our topic from last week could be one of the things you're thankful for I guess but I, I think it's also because I feel so like jaded and like down on baseball because of this last season like and, and not just because it was short it's because how it ended and then like it just they never felt like they took COVID seriously enough like they just kind of got lucky to have a couple months of like hey we don't have any like I just say I think the MLB reflects the 
leadership. Actually, I think that about the NHL too, because Gary Bettman is really shrewd and smart. And so there's some things that are really awesome, but then he also doesn't have enough of a heart sometimes, which <laughs> definitely reflects in the NHL. Yeah. Rob Manfred's just an idiot. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the MLB kind of reflects that. Yeah. So my, my uh, things I'm thankful for are going to be very like base level of like things I like about MLB. Um, Cause that's just what we've got to work with right now. Uh, maybe if we do this again in like April, I'll be more excited and have like actual things to be proud of, I guess with the MLB. Um, but my first thing I just have is like no clocks. I know everyone is like time. It's like baseball's too long. It takes so much time, which it's, it's not an issue. I kind of enjoy that baseball is the only sport that doesn't rely on any kind of time except I think right now the only thing that's timed is in between innings like we don't have the pitch clock yet and an inning could be super quick it could be super long a game could be super long and I think pace of play gets hyped up a little too much yeah there are games that it's like god this if we have 160 something of these games but to me I mean some of the really long games can be some of the funnest like the first game I ever saw in person I was at the ballpark for six hours because it started they played one inning a rain delay for two and a half hours and then we left the ballpark at midnight which sounds like just a night if you don't love baseball you're kind of like oh that kind of sucks but you Darvish was pitching against the Angels. CJ Wilson, a former Ranger, was p- pitching against his former team for the first time, and he didn't come out after the rain delay. And there were home runs, and it was it was a great memory. And then you have like shorter games where they can also be a great memory, especially if they're like a one hitter that your team pitched. So I kind of, I guess it, also, it obviously depends on what game you're going to it could be a long miserable awful game but I think that's what kind of makes it fun because if you really love baseball you could be there for like four hours and just have four hours of like your favorite sport in person or on tv I would say the one pace of play thing that I actually am okay with is limiting the number of mound visits because sometimes catchers and pitchers were really abusing that And that, whether you're watching in person or watching at home, there's nothing more boring than just seeing a catcher run up. And, (laughs) and, and that actually saves time. Like the, the in-between inning stuff and like the, all of the random clocks for crap like that. It's like, I would rather have a limited number of mound visits and then it can just be like a couple, like how, like however long you really need. It's not like they're going to talk for 30 minutes. Right. The only thing is about the mound limit thing. I still don't know what the punishment is if you hit the number of mound visits and then you still go out there. Like I'm maybe I guess a, a manager or ca- maybe a catcher, like maybe they get ejected if they go to the mound. Does, does the ump just immediately go with him to the mound? Because usually that's so. how a mound minute breaks up. Yeah, I guess that's what would happen. But like, couldn't you just be like, hey, like say it really, really fast? Like, but that I mean, wouldn't bother me it's just more like oh here's another like minute we're gonna have to sit here and watch <laughs> and it's kind of like and this you can't limit and I totally am with that but the throws over to first and by the guy's eighth time it's like okay you're not getting him can we just yeah. move on yeah um so I will go with my next ones these are still a little like I'm going from like 
most sentimental to like gradually they get stupider um but this is really great and I forgot about I watched a few YouTube videos to remind myself of important things that happened um well that was smart I did not do that (laughs) I was like I couldn't think of anything so I was looking but um I am thankful for and I still maintain is the best of its kind in pro sports the NHL player assistance program I think every Um. league should use the NHLs as a model because it's executed flawlessly. And in particular, a spotlight this year for it, Bobby Ryan and his hat trick returning to Ottawa after being involved in the player assistance program because of addiction, I thought was absolutely amazing. And then the whole crowd, because it was in Ottawa, was chanting Bobby and he's like getting teary eyed. It was the coolest thing I have ever seen. And so really, really happy for Bobby. And to that note, I, one I forgot, just thought of now, Oscar Lindblom and the whole cancer yeah. and the reception that got, that was all some really sentimental moments like that. And then second thing I had was just the success of the NHL bubble. So where you were talking about how the MLB pretended that COVID <laughs> didn't exist, the NHL very did not. And to have zero cases, not only among players and coaches, but like staff, hotel workers arena people no one tested positive is amazing there were some like there were some documented issues with like accommodations and stuff like that that if they were to ever do this again I hope would be corrected and if it weren't I would definitely criticize but given that it was the first time and I think the players even admitted this when they were talking about the issues they said the first and most important thing the NHL did well no one got COVID so I was really happy about that. Yeah. Um, So I just thought of another one that I'm just adding in the middle of my list. And it's a specific player who's not even playing anymore, but Adrian Beltry, I'm always thankful for him. So I have to include it here, Um, even though he's not playing anymore. And this is what I think his second season. Yeah. Second season he hasn't played. Uh, but I don't care because I will always be thankful for Adrian Beltre because I truly believe if he had not ever been a ranger, like I probably would not love baseball as much as I love it and like write about it and talk about it. And yeah, so I have to be thankful for him every year because truly like one of the most fun players to watch and I wish he could play for like 20 more years and probably the one person I go on YouTube and like, let's go look at Adrian Beltre highlights because you can't get sick of them. And I think every person kind of needs that one player in any sport that you watch that they, they're the reason you stick around because Beltre was literally the reason I stuck around for a lot of the games and watched a lot of the crappy games because he was playing in them. And I think even though he's not playing now, he's still part of the reason why I I even watched this past season because I was like, well, I do truly love baseball. And there is an Adrian Beltre cutout at the Rangers ballpark right behind the home plate. So I can pretend he's still there. Um, But yeah, I I had to add him because I feel like I don't talk about him enough on here and he's my favorite person. So had to include him on this. That's okay. Do you want to give one more since you had four? Yeah. So the other thing that I'm thankful, and I think this 
became more obvious when I started watching hockey is that baseball is fairly easy to understand. It's a very simple game. I won't quote Bull Durham, but you know, it's simple. And when I started watching hockey, which I also thought was fairly simple, hockey has way more rules that make it a little more tougher to understand offsides and icing and all those things. Whereas like baseball, I, when I was growing up as a kid, like we kickball was the game we played at recess and in PE. And even in fifth grade, like the thing you look forward to is the fifth grade kickball tournament. And it's like a legit tournament. Like we played it for like two weeks. And so when I started watching baseball immediately, I was like, oh, well, I can understand this because it's exactly like kickball. And that just made it easier and simpler. And then what I like, once you understand the sport, then it's way more fun to watch because if you don't know what you're watching, then it's like, okay, well, I have no idea what's going on here, which is kind of why I avoided hockey for so long because it went so fast and my baseball brain had trouble keeping up with it. That I was like, I can't even follow the puck. So I'm out. But baseball, I appreciate how slow it is and simple, which I know people are, like hate slow sports, but like, I think that's one of the things that makes baseball nice is like, you can kind of turn away for a little bit, do some other things as you're watching it and still like know what's going on. Whereas like hockey, I can barely look at Twitter while I'm watching hockey. I will say just a a recommendation to anyone watching any new sport. I kind of think of it as like a new language, like start and just kind of like immerse yourself and you don't have to worry about like, like in baseball, don't worry about knowing the info of fly roll first that's like worrying about knowing your verb conjugations first like don't worry about that that'll come once you know other stuff but just focus on like enjoying home runs and like really cool defensive plays and same in hockey like hits and stuff like that don't worry if you can't always see the puck don't worry if you know what don't know what offsides is or isn't like I think you'll just figure it out eventually yeah those kind of things just let it come to you. And that's kind of how you learn the language too. Because I think sometimes sports is a little bit of that. It's its own language. Yeah. That's a good way to put it, even though I was awful at foreign languages. I, I'm not either, but <laughs> baseball is different because at least there's a baseline of English. <laughs> um, so I, I guess th- this one on my list is going to be called like the Morgan Price entry because it's for you. <laughs> <laughs> the Carolina Hurricanes, Sarah Sivian, Steve Dangle, and all those who made hockey Twitter awesome. There are yeah. plenty of those who make it suck, but those who made it yeah. awesome, Petty, the Hurricanes are just, they win hockey Twitter all the time. Sarah's awesome too. She's hilarious. There's so many really cool people and like interesting accounts. You ever want to have some fun on hockey Twitter when uh, the Leafs are losing a game there are some really funny accounts who have some really funny ways to (laughs) not just Steve but like so many so many people I remember because the Penguins kind of beat up on the Leafs twice and just like scrolling through and seeing some of the tweets were hilarious um like was it the one game that uh it was when the new coach was there and the Penguins just absolutely dominated the Leafs and some like hockey writer or something was like the Leafs uh really did a good job of not giving the Penguins anything on the perimeter tonight because it was just like shot in the slot shot right in front of the net shot like in all of the awesome areas and I thought that was 
So that was my first one. And I, I knew you would appreciate it because <laughs> you live for the petty. Yeah, for sure. And um, the next one kind of going on like social media, like media, firestorms, lots of fun. David Ayers. And yeah. also Carolina. David yeah. Ayers. It's <laughs> so cool. If you haven't seen the locker room video and Rod Brindamore, the coach's speech, it's awesome. But one of the weirdest rules in all of sports is that if both the goalies get injured, miraculously, we just like pull somebody who like David Ayers played hockey forever ago and not even at like that high of a level. He was 42 years old and had a kidney transplant. <laughs> and they just throw him in an NHL game <laughs> and it was it was so awesome he got he's the first emergency backup goalie to get a win Chicago had an emergency backup goalie last season who I would argue had a better performance than David Ayers however Chicago was already leading six to two and he did not give up four goal he didn't give up a single goal actually which is pretty amazing but he didn't get the win the, the goalie that was in before him got the win so but David Ayers gets the first emergency goalie or e-bug as they called him win. And it was just so cool to see. And of course it was against Toronto. So there were lots of <laughs> Steve Dangles videos epic. Um, I feel like that emergency goalie rule is like a rule that somebody tells you when you first start watching hockey and you're like, they're just messing with me, right? Like that can't possibly be a real actual rule. And then you find out that it is, and it's like, who who decided this was the rule? Like, this sounds like some kid just kind of, like, wrote it in there to see if it would make the actual NHL official rules, and then it did. It would almost be like, like I got got the baseball equivalent. If when we have the, like, 18-inning games and you run out of bullpen pitchers, if you can just go into the crowd and pull someone out and give them a glove. Because like which is insane. Because even position players, they can throw the ball with some velocity. Like yeah. people in the crowd. <laughs> no, they can't. And that's they like to think they can. But it would be hilarious. But also considering baseball, like there's less protective equipment, like yeah. they would probably actually die. <laughs> so not a good idea. Uh so you actually reminded me of like something I should say for baseball and that's also baseball Twitter um because I have made some like genuine friends because of baseball Twitter I mean you and I are friends because of hockey Twitter and hockey Tumblr but like I've met like three or four people that I just met because of the Rangers like I've met them in real life now and we're friends like we talk all the time and that never would have happened if like I wasn't watching baseball or I wasn't tweeting about baseball or like finding other funny people who also like baseball and talk about baseball. Mostly it's Ranger fans because those are my people. But I will say if you find like, and this goes for any sport, like baseball, Twitter, hockey, Twitter, but like, obviously there are bad parts of every kind of Twitter, but like, if you can find your little pocket of like your favorite sports, Twitter, Like, that could be some real fun. And, you know, if we had, like, actual seasons this year and not a pandemic, like, it would have made even, like, election coverage. It would have been, like, an oasis away from that. And sometimes, like, just the Twitter feed itself, if you have, like, even if you just make, like, a little list on Twitter of just, like, sports people, sometimes that's, like, good, like, escapism. 
And yeah, and I will say this is kind of something that's true on social media. It's true and arenas and something like that. Because actually Steve talked about this on his show once. Because people always like to say the Toronto Maple Leafs have the worst fan base in all of hockey. And that is not true. I do not know who has the worst. I can't say, but it's you can't say definitively it's, it's the Leafs. All fan bases, be they Twitter users, people in the arena, there's some small percentage that are absolute jerks. Yeah. And just it's like in, in life. If you pull yeah. 20 people, one of them's probably not a person you like and probably just not a good person. Chances are. So that's probably also true of hockey fans. And because the Leafs have the biggest fan base, they also like by percentage, that means the number of people who are not good humans is going to be more than teams that don't have as many fans. Right. But I think it's, there's a similar percentage all throughout hockey. And I would assume baseball is the same and the internet's kind of the same. Now I think yeah. the internet, we can sometimes magnify voices of people yeah. like uh, my favorite fashion bloggers, Tom and Lorenzo always point this out, how destructive it is. Like when someone posts a horrible tweet or a horrible video or something like that and they have like 15 followers and then someone with like 2 million followers retweets it and like condemns it it's like no one saw it and you just made millions of yeah. people see it for what purpose like don't shine a light on if on something that doesn't need it like that person could have gone away into obscurity and no one would have seen that tweet because they have no followers and so I think that's kind of an important thing too hockey Twitter and baseball Twitter and all of the fandom Twitters are kind of what you make it and I found my experience in the different places that I like to interact on Twitter and Tumblr improved drastically when I started blocking and started following only what I wanted and started engaging only in topics I really wanted to engage in and not getting sucked in see what is the principle you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to so I think this turned a little preachy but I just kind of wanted to say like I think people can overstate how bad Mm -hmm. things are and there's a lot of good to social media for all the bad but there definitely is also the best feature on Twitter is the mute button and not only the mute button but also picking words and phrases to mute that has saved me so many times also if anyone doesn't know this because I continuously forget about this feature is like there are some people I follow and I love their tweets, but I hate what they retweet and I don't want to see all their retweets. You can turn off retweets from other people. So like if there's someone who's like, God, they retweet so much stuff and it's it's like crowding up my feed, you can go to their profile and hit like, it's something like don't allow retweets or something. And then none of anything they retweet is not in your feed. It's just their own, whatever they tweet on their own. And yeah, definitely curate your Twitter, your social media profiles. It helps your mental health tremendously. So much. And that was our preaching corner. That was our our corner. (laughs) We always got to have things like this. You want to do one more? I have my last two. Oh, yeah. I forgot whose turn it was because we started talking about Twitter. Um, So the other thing I'm thankful for, which again, I kind of feel like it goes across the board for multiple sports. But um, I would say, like, how many different individual types of players there are with baseball. Like, I feel like, okay, for, like, basketball, obviously 
majority of the guys are going to be super tall dudes. But like in baseball, you could be tall, you could be short, you could be a little more overweight, you could be a little skinnier. And like there is a position you could play. Like there's not really any position that like, I mean, I guess usually you have certain types for each position, but there's never like, I mean, Bartolo Colon is probably the most like. That's who I was thinking of. (laughs) Obvious pick I can say here. Actually, this is perfect. Okay, Bartolo Colon. Like everyone knows what he looks like, who he is. Another pitcher that used to play for uh, San Francisco Giants, Tim Lincecum. Those are the most two opposite body types ever. The only reason I could think of this was because they were both Rangers at one point. And uh, if you're a Ranger Twitter person, you know, um, at Deer Chair, he made shirts with like, it's just a very like, uh, like a raw sketch of like uh, Bartolo Colon and Lincecum side by side. And obviously one's a stick and one's not. Uh, but they were both starting pitchers, and they were both really good. I think Lincecum had two complete games, not complete games, uh, no hitters. And, I mean, Bartolo Colon pitched forever. Uh, but I feel like that's the perfect example for what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> because I feel like, and maybe even in hockey too, I guess, they're kind of all the same across the yeah, board. The, the, the one thing I like about hockey is height. Height is not a determining factor yeah. anymore because we have like six. I forget how tall Zdeno Char is, like six eight or six nine, and yeah. then um, all the way down to like five five or five six, which is pretty much that's the whole, basically you can be any height and you can yeah. play hockey because that's about the range of men's height. Yeah, is about that. Um, but there's definitely a definitive hockey body type. It just kind of yeah. comes from playing it like hockey glutes are very a thing. Yeah. And it's just because you, you skate a lot. Yeah. It's kind of hard not to. Whereas like, again, if you're a pitcher, I mean, that's really, I mean, obviously it's a workout because you're freaking throwing your arm in an unusual fashion, but I mean, they're not running the bases. So basically what I'm getting at here is you can play baseball no matter what you look like. Uh, and I think that's pretty cool because like I said, like basketball, they're mostly tall, skinny dudes from what I've seen. I don't watch a lot of basketball, but that's mostly what I've seen. Like in other sports, there's a definitive look, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's my whole point here. That's all I got. <laughs> yep. Let me, let me do my, my, there's, I kind of separated out into two, but there's really one overarching category and I have a whole list great goals of the season because there's always a few to talk about and so I'm going to tell you these and if you are curious you can go and look because they all will be very easy to find because they're all amazing um Blake Coleman who won the Stanley Cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning actually started out the season with the New Jersey Devils and he had I think it was like the, the first or second game of the season this most amazing goal he was falling down and he shot it like one-handed backhand and like broke oh. it. It was amazing. I it's I, I still don't know how he got that much like height on the puck. Um, of course, from our favorite Carolina Hurricanes, Andre Sechikov had not one but two of the lacrosse goals. Yes. The first and second ever done in the NHL. So that was really cool. Oh my god, I forgot that this was still technically last season. Yeah, <laughs> I, you're right. I had to look these up. Matthew Kachuk in Nashville with like 0.3 seconds left in overtime had this between the legs like 
roof shot and it was so amazing and when you consider the time he had no time it's so cool um and then also I wanted to give this isn't like one of the coolest goals of the season but its meaning is pretty cool um Sebastian Ajo again of the Carolina Hurricanes absolutely walked Tony D'Angelo who is actually an awful person yeah and so like every time he's not on Twitter anymore thankfully he deactivated his Twitter but every time he would tweet something stupid which was a lot of times you could always count on someone to to reply not multiple someones to reply with the video or gif of his getting absolute danced by Sebastian Ajo and so thank you Sebastian Ajo for that (laughs) but I think the, the goal that I was most excited about this year, and I made it its own separate entry on my list, was Pekka Rene getting a goalie goal for the first time in like 10 years. So amazing. So cool. I love a goalie goal. I, I kind of suspend all fan associations at that point, unless it was cat against my team. If someone scored a goalie goal against the Penguins, it would be hard to be happy about that. But as long as it isn't scored against the Penguins, even if it's like the Capitals or the Flyers or something like that, that's objectively cool. Um, one more thing I thought of for baseball, and I don't really know if it's like something you could consider like thankful for, but one thing I enjoy overall about baseball is that every ballpark looks different and like, cause then you legitimately have like a bucket list. Like I want to visit all these fields or maybe even like a certain field because there are some that I'm like, I don't really care if I ever visit that one, but it's different than like all hockey rinks look the same and basketball stadiums I almost called it a basketball field oh my god (laughs) yeah all look the same like I think it's cool that like some of them some of the ballparks have just as much like feeling about them as the teams do if that makes sense baseball first but football because of weather because it's outdoors yeah second the field, like the location, yeah. is actually like a player in the game. It, it factors yeah. into how the game is played. Because like in Wrigley, I know because I watch a lot of Cubs games with my mother. How Wrigley plays if the wind is flying in versus out, it plays like a completely different field. Mm-hmm. And like football, football in the snow in Minnesota versus playing in California, it's two completely different styles. And so I think it's it's kind of interesting to see that. I really want to go to a baseball. And I know people are going to like, think I'm crazy here. I really want to go to a baseball game where it's like super duper cold, possibly even snowing if they'll allow them to play in it just because I love the cold weather. And I've been to enough 115 degree games that I want to experience the complete opposite. Although I know it did happen in 2019. Yeah, last Tuesday. Two seasons ago, it's weird to say last season, meaning last year, not this past season. But you know what I mean? In 2019, I think it was, the Rangers had a game that was like, I think the wind chill was like freezing. And then the same year, they had a game that was like record heat for them. It was like the coldest and the hottest game they've ever played at that stadium. And I'm very mad I didn't go to the coldest game. I ended up at the hottest game. Yeah, hot's no fun. (laughs) No. Um. So with that, do you have any more? That was all my list. That was all mine. So that was fun. We definitely like to hear your guys' favorites. They don't have to be just baseball and hockey. Just what in sports are you thankful for this year? What were some cool moments? What are things that you'll kind of remember from maybe a year that you otherwise want to forget? 
Yeah. Um, and it, it doesn't even have to be this year if it's baseball where there was nothing to be thankful for. Yeah, um, just kind of like <laughs> since last Thanksgiving, basically. And I even extended that a little bit because the yeah. hockey started in October, but we always kind of make up our own rules. We make up our own rules. <laughs> Who really cares? So with that, it's rant and rave time. And yes. so would you like me to start or would you like to start? Um, you can start. So for those of you who don't know, I live in Iowa and I would like to rant at my governor. There are a lot of things to rant at her about and other people have done that a lot better than I have. The one thing that I just would like to highlight is that in her new mandate, because COVID is really spiking everywhere, but also in Iowa, and hospitalizations are really going up a lot um, in Iowa. And that's why she did all of whatever you want to call her mandate, her mandate with lots of exceptions. And in keeping with that theme, it's like, okay, uh, no crowds or whatever, no like state tournaments or whatever, except the football state championship can still happen. Oh, of course. <laughs> Are you serious? It is not that urgent. It is not that essential. High school football state championship is just not an essential service. I'm sorry. And it just, it bothers me. It's, it, it's right in line with though, um, when Iowa did their smoking ban um, indoors, it was like years ago. It's not a complete smoking ban because you can smoke indoors at all of the casinos in Iowa and in one random veterans retirement home. And it's like, well, we know who has lobbyists or like random legislatures they knew. It's like clearly the the casinos all banded together and got lobbied. And then someone in the Iowa legislature must know someone or something at that retirement home or maybe like a former legislator lives there who smokes or something. But it just, it bothers me. It's like, if you have the principle, have the principle. Yeah. So that was my rant at my own governor. <laughs> uh, I could have ran about mine too, but that would, we'd be here for hours. Um, so instead my rant is baseball related because why not? Uh, Robinson Cano is suspended for a hundred and the whole six, season, oh, right? a whole season. Yeah. For some reason I was thinking 180, but it's because in 2018, his season was shortened because he was suspended for 80 games for uh, PEDs then too. I don't know if it's the same exact thing that he's being uh, suspended for, but it was both performance. the same drug. I read that. Is it? Okay. And in 2018, it was at the end of the season. Uh, or no, sorry. It was the beginning, middle of the season. Oh, okay. May 15th to August 14th was when he was submitted. So middle of the season. And then he signed with the Mets or traded to the Mets. Sorry. Um, and at the end of that season and then, or the end of that year, she's I'll learn words in a minute here. And then honestly, when they were, when it was announced that he would be suspended uh, for next season, there was legit party. I was like, did he even play last season? Like, when was he using performance enhancing drugs? And then I was like, you know what? I wouldn't even know if he played or not because he's with the Mets. So there's that. <laughs> and I was like, makes perfect sense that I have no idea if he actually played or not because Mets. And I will say, okay, first of all, everyone who knows anything about steroids was like, how do you get caught doing that? Like 
everyone knows that's the one they have good tests for. Just don't do that. And that's the one, you know, that has actual punishments. Also, his career has like, like bombed for a while. And he has this long contract where he makes a ton of money. Maybe Mm -hmm. just accept that like you're at the end of your career and just keep taking money instead of willingly giving up money. But I will say, I saw this great point from a Mets fan because they always said when their old owners, the Wilpons, the the joke was even when things go good they go bad and now with Cohen owner they're like even when things go bad they go good because guy gets suspended from your team for steroids objectively doesn't sound good guy is the worst guy on your team plugging up second base who you have Jeff McNeil who's really good and a young player has to play out of position because Robinson Cano has to play second and 24 million dollars of money freed up So it's like, even when things go bad, they kind of go good because everyone was kind of, some people were saying LOL Mets and all the Mets fans are like, we're okay with this. We're like, see you later. Yeah. You want to get, keep getting suspended for that? Like we're fine without you. And which would probably seem obvious considering PEDs. uh, Last season was his best offensive season since joining the Mets. So he was, yeah, he's been terrible for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, to kind of go along with that so I, I found a second rave so I'm, I'm making up my own rules here <laughs> go um, for it. I forgot because I forgot about this so Steve Cohen's Twitter continues to be a rave of mine so we got somebody who tweets him thanks for buying the team I know it's not a good cash flow move but to change the mo- mojo can we just pay Bobby Bonilla the 18 million we owe him right now <laughs> maybe he takes a discount and we won't have to deal with the anniversary for the next 15 years and Steve Cohen from the clouds let's take a vote how about we have a Bobby Bonilla day every year hand him an oversized pet check and drive a lap around the stadium could be fun I'm just like, if he turns Bobby Bonilla Day into like a holiday for Mets fans, I'm just like, it's a million dollars for care. Isn't that awesome? Twitter goes crazy on Bonilla Day every year, so why not do it there? And if Mets fans were just participating, it would kind of lose all the sting of it. And this guy's so rich, a million to him is absolute nothing. And, like, if you're turning it into a joke on your own, like, on yourself, like, that just makes it even more fun. Like, it's a dumb Mets, like, look at us, we're going to celebrate this really dumb thing that we do every year, but, like, they should definitely do that. I loved that. If those are his kind of ideas, can he just take over MLB and come up with ideas for everyone? This is, but this is why I'm, I'm really excited because I do, it's like pitiful to watch the Mets sometimes. And I kind of want to root for them because they're like underdogs. Yeah. And so ha- now that they have like an owner who has like $18 billion and not, didn't get scammed by Bernie Madoff, <laughs> I think, I, I think, I, I think he can do really awesome things. Anyways, the other one I wanted to talk about. So I have been reading a lot of books and I have this thing where I'm reading a book about every president. I'm not very far into it. I read an over 800 page book on George Washington. And now I am like a third of the way through a 200 page book on John Adams. But what I'm discovering from this John Adams book that I kind of already knew, but I learned a ton about is that Abigail Adams for her time was an absolute boss. She has some of the, like, if you didn't know these quotes, came from like the 1780s and 90s you wouldn't believe it it says 
I'm going to read three of them. If particular care and attention is not paid to the ladies, we are determined to foment a rebellion and will not hold ourselves bound by any laws in which we have no voice or representation. That was her letter to her husband telling him, hey, don't like make women second class citizens. Uh, And then kind of go along with her girl power thing. Do not put such unlimited power into the hands of husbands. Remember, all men would be tyrants if they could. And I'm like, and even really evolved for the time on slavery. She did not own slaves. She and John did not own slaves because they were northerners. But in talking about, and this is like a clear reference to slavery, talking to her husband, she says, I've sometimes been ready to think that the passion for liberty cannot be equally strong in the breasts of those who have been accustomed to deprive their fellow citizen creatures of theirs. And I think that's such a great point of like, like she's basically saying, I think the people who are the biggest patriots, who are our biggest forces for good, because the war, Declaration of Independence hadn't been signed when this was written. Um, It's in the people who value freedom for everyone, not just for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really brilliant. And I've just really grown to respect her. Obviously, there are some things that like, I'm sure if I read every quote she ever wrote, there's some things that don't age well. She was alive in like the 1770s. (laughs) Um, But for her time, very evolved. And I still love all men would be tyrants if they could. Yeah. So. I think that's interesting because I have seen a lot of people who do like, I don't know if you call it a challenge, but where you read about a biography about each president, uh, I think it'd be interesting to like read about each first lady too. I, it is really, and the only reason I did it that way is one, because it's easier to find books on every president, Yeah. but also I want to cover like all of the history that I don't really know. So I'm particularly yeah. curious about like the ones in the middle, mm-hmm. and, like the times in American history where I don't really know much about, because right. I'm sure very consequential things happen. And I think it kind of helps to understand that full context. Uh, so my rave, and I will keep it spoiler free, is about The Crown, which I finished watching season four two days ago. I tried to watch like two episodes each night, but then when I got to the last four, I watched all four in one in one night. Uh, it was really good. I will say if you haven't watched it yet, though, like just try and keep in mind it is a drama so don't take like everything as like, oh, this is what the royal family is actually like, because there are clearly some parts where it's like, I don't think they acted quite like that. Uh, they took some uh, creative liberties with it. Uh, but my favorite thing about The Crown, other than the fact like I'd watch it anyway, because I like the British royal family. I like following them and I find it fascinating. Uh, specifically with The Crown, I love First of all, they have like a huge budget, which is obvious, but the cinematography of the crown and the outfits is just, some of them are like perfectly replicas of like actual outfits we've seen them wear. Others you can kind of tell is like, mm, they tried their best, but they it looks really well done. Like you can tell for the most part, they really put a lot of thought and effort into making it as realistic to what they're covering as possible when it comes to the clothes and uh places that they're in I will say I think this is just a good rule 
with very few exceptions, if a film or TV show is not a documentary, yes, it's not nonfiction. Correct. It may have like a lot of nonfiction to it, but there are certainly some fictitious elements, like with very few exceptions. And I'm I can't even give you one off the top of my head of like a reenactment or something that was like a hundred percent. It's very much like an editorial feature of yeah. a family, but in video form rather than print. Yeah, and so it is just very important to watch it that context. And I mean, even documentaries, to some extent, you have to watch because they're shaded by the director and right. so the, the footage that's included. But at least like all of the stuff you're seeing is like real footage or like interviews with experts and those sorts of things. So yeah, just I a, found... an important thing to keep in mind. Yeah, of course. And uh, this is the last season with the cast that they've had because like every two seasons they change the cast which I hate that they do that but then I always end up adjusting to it obviously uh but the thing I'm gonna miss the most is the actress that plays Princess Anne she's like my favorite character in the season three and four and I highly recommend watching it even if you're like just a little bit curious about British royal family because some of it is true they just they take like one event that we know happened and know about and then everything around that is kind of like what they believe happened based on other stuff that's not firsthand knowledge but it's it's a fun watch it's good escapism but also in kind of like a dramatic uh flourishing kind of way it's not obviously it's not a comedy or anything so but I I, I kind of hate that like I binged it so easily. It is it is a thing too of you really don't want to watch something that is completely accurate. Yeah, and and I feel that way, and because I usually read the prologues and stuff for the books that I'm reading, and if you actually look at the so, like source material of the letters, and these are nonfiction books that really are good nonfiction books. All of the authors like strongly edit like edit the letters because there was a lot of shorthand, a lot of really bad spelling and capitalization and punctuation that makes it hard to read. So the fact that they keep most of the meaning but make it so I can read it is fine. And and it's just something they have to do. And like I remember some of the more narrative historical books I've read, they take what they know and kind of fill in some of the gaps so it really is a narrative and they tell you about it they say these are the parts where I had to fill in but I wanted it to be a whole narrative so you got the whole story and it was like reading a fiction book but it's actually stuff that happened and so I think it's just people have a little bit of unrealistic expectations I think fact checking shows like that I mean there's some benefit of like here's what's real and here's what isn't but fact checking a show to like denigrate a show to me, it's like, what's the point? Yeah. This, this isn't the news. Like, Yeah. But I will say the other thing specifically about season four, not only Princess Anne, which was well, not shown enough. That's like a separate rant I have. But like uh, Diana's outfits, I feel like anything she wore was very iconic. 
and I actually like all of her stuff is obviously very 80s and like you wouldn't wear it now without looking like you just like time traveled from the 80s but I actually really like her style like it just fits with like it just helps the whole story of the show itself and I just I I really enjoyed it so and I think the really interesting thing about Diana's style is it kind of reflects who she is as a a woman because like she was obviously 18 she was so young and so she was very much just like following the trends following the trends and then you could tell she was kind of a little more like following the rules those sorts of things and then when after the divorce you start to see a sleeker sexier sort of look and it just kind of is really an evolution and a growing up of style and I think that's really cool to see well I think that's why I'm kind of excited for the next season because the next season will be that decade and it'll also be a new actress playing her than was this season so you'll it's kind of like a very definitive change as far as like fashion but also person but I think the fact that Diana had a change too in her like actual real life like I think that'll actually benefit from a cast change but just just for the people at home if if you ever looked at a picture of Diana and thought wow she looks amazing it's almost certain it was post-divorce there's (laughs) like very little chance that was pre-divorce Diana (laughs) yeah because her wedding like her wedding dress iconic obviously everyone knows it fashionable it was of its time okay but have you seen the pictures of the crown version of her dress the thing i I because i like it Uh, the thing i really appreciated about that version is i saw a side by side and i was looking at the crown and i'm like wait is that detail in diana's dress or did they just add that and i go and look and i'm like oh yeah if i squint my eyes really small i can kind of see it but you can kind of pick up things in diana's dress yeah the photo quality is better Mm -hmm. photography and video are way better (laughs) it's kind of it's kind of interesting yeah I feel like I could do a whole we might need to do a whole episode of like the crowd rant and raves um the other thing I just want to mention while we're being random um the people who designed Diana's wedding dress at least did a few seasons of the UK version of say yes to the dress which is just all kind of go look it up on YouTube Oh my gosh. It's it's awesome. So you can tell the suggested on my the suggested <laughs> on my YouTube because I watched one say yes to the dress clip and I got all of the ones from all around the world. But yes, so I don't think they were there all the time because I think there's uh-huh. a different person, but there was definitely a couple seasons. Where. Interesting. So cool little fact for you. So with that all of that randomness <laughs> aside. Um we hope you guys have a good holiday. We'll see if we'll be back on Monday. I'm, I think we're going to kind of see how the holidays go and everything. Yeah. And we'll see you when you see, we see you, I guess. <laughs> Bye, guys.